Well, a blessed Christmas to every one of you and so glad to see you today. The message I'm going to bring you today is going to have some theology in it, but I, I wanted really to bring it because it's a message of hope, of comfort, and a faith-building message, and literally has the potential to change the way that you live. But I want to talk to you about Jesus all through the Bible, all through God's plan. Now, a lot of people think about Jesus entering the scene in the New Testament when he's born in Bethlehem. But yet Jesus is found throughout the Old Testament. Uh, typically, when Jesus appears in the Old Testament, he is called the angel of the Lord. And uh, theologians call it a Christophany, an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. When Joshua takes over from Moses after Moses has died and is about to go in to take on the promised land, he sees a man and says to him, are you for us or for our enemies? And he says, neither, but as captain of the armies of the Lord, he said, I've come. And Joshua acknowledges that. And then he says, take off your sandals because the place where you are, it's holy ground. And he worships. It's an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. It happens various places all through the Old Testament. But then jumping up into the New Testament, Luke chapter 1, the angel said to her, Mary, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. For you found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. Call his name Jesus. He will be great, be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Now, when we think about Jesus, we typically just think about he came to die for our sins. But the angel is immediately talking beyond what we are thinking about. And he said he's going to sit on the throne of his father, David. When Jesus arose from the dead in the book of Acts, chapter one, the disciples said, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? You know, the Jewish people were looking for the Messiah, but they did not recognize Jesus as the Messiah, because they were looking for a king who was going to rule and reign. And they weren't looking for someone who was coming to pay for their sins. And it's kind of like it's in reverse today. Today in the church world, we simply think about Jesus as one who came to save us from our sin. But he did do that. But God's goal is much greater than that. He's going to sit on the throne of David. He's going to rule and reign, and we'll get into this a little bit later, for a thousand years. And then after that, it says, and of his kingdom there will be no end. There is going to be an eternal kingdom. You know, sometimes we refer to the, the thousand-year kingdom as the millennial kingdom. But the angel announced his coming. But that was not when Jesus began to exist, when he was born at Bethlehem. In Colossians 1, verse 16. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven 
or that are on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominion, principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. All things were created by him. So in other words, when God said, let there be light in the beginning, it was Jesus who said, let there be light. And notice all things were created through him and for him. In other words, Jesus is the centerpiece. He was the one who created all things, but they were created for him. That, that's one of the reasons that today people have so much trouble when they're trying to discover their purpose. When they start with themselves, they're never going to know their purpose. There's a number of success seminars today that if you go to, they tell you now, you need to find your purpose. And if you don't have one, you just invent one. Because you need to have a purpose to live. There needs to be a purpose to your life. But when you start with yourself, you will never find your purpose. Excuse me, Revelation 4.11. And for his pleasure, they were created. You see, the only way you're going to find your purpose is to start with the creator. How many know the creator knows why he created something? And you were created for his pleasure. God has a purpose for you. You were created through him, but you were created for him. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So Jesus was there in the beginning. He was the creator. He was with God and he was God. Later in the 14th verse, it says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We can say it this way, that Jesus put on a suit of humanity. And that's what we're really celebrating at this time of year, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The Jewish people, they were looking for that king. They missed the suffering servant who came to save them from their sin. But he is coming again as a king. Hebrews 10, verse 5. Therefore, when he came into the world, when think about this, how many of you were talking before you came into the world? But before Jesus came into the world in heaven, he's having a conversation. He said, sacrifice and offering you didn't desire, but a body you prepared for me. God prepared, especially in the, in the womb of Mary, this body that Jesus was going to inhabit. In burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. So when Jesus was born at Bethlehem, that is not when he began to exist. He existed eternally before with God. And John 1 says he was God. So Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet, he explained it this way in his prophecy. He said, for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. You see, because Jesus was completely man, but completely God. So the child was born, his human nature, but the son had to be given from heaven and the government will be upon his shoulders. See, and, and the Jewish people would read that and they were looking for that king 
who was going to be a government official, a king who would rule and would reign. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government in peace, there will be no end. It's not just a government that's going to last for a thousand years, but it is going to be eternal. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. But when that same angel appears to Joseph in a dream and tells Joseph, look, take Mary to be your wife. And it says to him, for he will save his people from their sin. So the first time that Jesus physically came, he came to save his people from their sins. But listen carefully to Hebrews 9, 28. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. And for those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin has nothing to do with sin the next time the first time he came to save his people from their sins but the next time he comes it has nothing to do with saving people from their sin the next time he comes he's coming to rule and reign he's coming for those who eagerly wait for him apart from sin for salvation. So we need, to, we need to remember every single New Testament author, everyone, even if they just wrote one chapter, they talked about Jesus coming again. And they're not, just, they're, they're not talking about him coming as a suffering servant. They're talking about him coming to rule and to reign. They're talking about him as a king. Now, one of the things that happens when we read our Bible, every part of the Bible is for you, for your benefit. But not every part of the Bible is talking to you. So let me just kind of, let me kind of explain it like this. It says in, in 1 Corinthians 10, 32, it says, we give no offense to anything, either to the Jew, the Greek, or the church of God. There are parts of the Bible that are specifically speaking to Jewish people to Israel. There's parts of the Bible that are prophetically speaking to the world. And there's parts of the Bible that are speaking to the church. And we can make a big mistake thinking that every part is talking to you. Now it's for you. It will benefit you. But it may not be talking about you specifically. There were certain promises that were made to the Jewish people. Certain promises made to the church. And there's prophecies that are to the world. So we need to recognize every part of it is for us, but not every part of it is, part of it is speaking specifically of what is going to happen to us. With that said, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. I don't want you to be ignorant brethren. Okay, who are the brethren? The brethren of the believers, the church. Concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who have died, least you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, how many believe that he died, he rose again. Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep or who have died in Jesus. So just like Jesus was raised, he's saying 
they are going to be raised. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede or receive redemption before those who have fallen asleep. Now, to be absent from the body is to be. If you're a believer, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when someone who's a believer dies, we have a memorial service. And one of the things that typically is said is they're not here, right? The house they used to live in is here, but they're not here. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. All right. So they have a part of the redemption because they're with the Lord, but they don't have all of it. Because when Jesus redeemed you, he redeemed you spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. Jesus died, but he rose again. There was an empty tomb, right? An empty tomb. So this, what this is talking about is full redemption. So they die, but they're not, those who, those who have fallen asleep will not proceed, or those that are alive will not proceed those who have fallen asleep or lied, or fallen asleep. Oh, let me get this straight. All right. Those that are alive will not receive their full redemption before those who have fallen asleep in the Lord. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. In other words, you were redeemed spirit, soul, and body, and your body will be redeemed. Now somebody says, how is God going to do that? What if they were eaten by a shark? What if they burned up in a building? Look at me. I don't know. But if you and I could figure everything out with our peanut brain, God wouldn't be very big. I don't know if he takes one cell and clones you or what he does. I have no idea. But there is a resurrection of the body. I don't know how God's going to do it. I just know he's going to do it. And again, the God who speaks and the universe jumps into existence, he hasn't got any problem with this stuff. I'm telling you, this is not hard for him. So when we bury somebody in America, I think it's really interesting that always we put their feet facing east and their head facing west. Because the Bible says when Jesus returned, he returns first will be seen in the eastern sky. So the first thing that happens, he shouts, they pop up and they go, Jesus, here I am. First thing they see. And that is that is the reason that we do it that way. That's the reason. Then those who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. So he returns in the clouds. Those that are dead are raised. Those that are alive are caught up and we meet him in the clouds. And this we will always be with the Lord. First Corinthians 15. Behold. I tell you a mystery. What he's saying here when he says it's a mystery, he said this is not explained someplace in the Old Testament. There's not a type of this. 
We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I think we should put that over the nursery. They shall not all sleep, but they shall all be changed. <laughs> so we'll not all die, but we'll all be changed. Whether you die or don't die, you're going to be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trump will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. Uh, I wanted to just read a little portion out of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I have Dr. Weiss' translation, one of the, the premier Greek scholars. Uh, I'm just going to read maybe seven or eight verses. Now I am requesting you, brethren, with regard to the coming and personal appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ, even our being assembled together to him, not to soon become unsettled, the source of this unsteadled state being your mind, neither, by neither be thrown into confusion either by spirit, a believer in the Christian assembly, claiming the authority of divine revelation and claiming to give the saints a word from God, or through a word received personally as from us, or through a letter falsely alleged to be written by us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come and is now present, do not begin to allow anyone to lead you astray in any way, because that day will not come except the aforementioned departure of the church to heaven comes first. And the man of the lawlessness is disclosed. That's the Antichrist in his true identity and exalts himself above everyone and everything that is called God or that is a wall is an object of worship. So he sits himself in the inner sanctuary, King James says the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be deity. So here's what this just said. It says the Antichrist will not be revealed until the church has first been taken to heaven. So here's what that means. I, I, I read, I, I've read several books about the Antichrist. People, oh, this guy's the Antichrist, that guy's the Antichrist, you know. Obama's the Antichrist, Reagan's the Antichrist. You know, every, every president ends up being the Antichrist. Half of, the, half of the, the presidents of the European Union end up being the Antichrist. And everybody's all concerned about who he is. Listen, you will not know. He cannot be revealed until the aforementioned departure of the church to heaven takes place. So we don't need to worry about him. Why worry about the fake Christ when you've got the real one? And he cannot be revealed until then. And, and I think this is interesting. He goes into the temple and declares himself to be God. Daniel says he goes into the temple and he stops the sacrifices. Now this is, there has never been a time like this. You know, we're going to be in, in Israel and uh, we're going to be on the Temple Mountain about two months. And it's, it's, it's just a walk from the Temple Mount to the Temple Institute where you, you, you'll go in there and right in front of you, right in front of you is the table of showbread that goes in the new temple. I mean, the one, solid gold. And then they've got the candelabra sitting there. How much does that thing weigh? Like 1,200 pounds, solid gold. I mean, it's just huge. It's the one that goes in the temple. I mean, they are ready to build it today. Today, they are preparing the priests that are going to make the sacrifices that the Antichrist is going to stop. 
Do you get the picture that this, this is not going to happen in 10,000 years? I mean, we, this, this is something that is imminent. This is imminent. We are living in the last days. I believe that with all my heart. But if I'm wrong, I know these are your last days. <laughs> but I do believe with all my heart we are living in the last days. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath that is to come. He delivers us from the wrath that is to come. In Revelation chapters 1, 2, 3, the church is mentioned 19 times. And then it's never mentioned again. And the wrath of God comes on the earth. The Bible says he has not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you realize that all the wrath for your sin has already been poured out on Jesus? And before that, that wrath is poured out on the earth, there is the aforementioned departure of the church to heaven. I'm excited about that. Philippians 3, verse 11. If by any means, Paul says, I might arrive at the goal, namely, the out-resurrection from among the dead. The out-resurrection. Now, in your King James Bible... It talks about the resurrection from the dead and the resurrection of the dead. The resurrection from the dead is what happens when Jesus comes back and that voice, there's a shout, and the dead in Christ rise first. The resurrection from the dead. And at the end of that thousand years that you spend with him, there is the resurrection of the dead, everybody else. But we have Jesus born in Bethlehem. We have Jesus coming back for the church. You're going to go to heaven. You're going to, and by the way, this is, this, is, this is amazing to me. The first thing that you're going to do in heaven is you're going to go to a party. It's called the marriage supper of the lamb. We're going to have some cowtown tacos. <laughs> Enchiladas de pollo. We're going to have fudge. With walnuts, chocolate fudge, no calories. But there, there, there's the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, theologians differ. Some say three and a half years. Some say seven years. But there is this time where we are with the Lord in heaven. But then it comes time to come back. I want to just read a little bit out of a couple portions of Scripture. Zechariah 14. And I will gather all nations to battle against Jerusalem. How many of you know Jerusalem's in the paper every day? I mean, it, it's just, it's, the, who, who reads the paper? I mean, it's on my phone. It's on Fox News. <laughs> but it's constantly there. God's focusing the world's attention on Israel, on Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, the women ravished. Half the city will go into captivity. The remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. This is not being caught up together with him in the air. That day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain will move to the north 
and half of it towards the south. And then you will three, flee through my mountain valley, for the mountain valley shall reach to a cell. And you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you. He's not coming for you. You're coming with him. He's coming back. He's coming back to rule. He's coming back to reign. He's coming back as king of kings and Lord of lords. That's why he's coming back. Now, first John chapter three says everyone that has this hope in himself that Jesus is coming back, purifies himself, changes the way they live, to purify themselves even as he is pure. Do you know you can preach don't sin, don't, 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 and people do, 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 do. They do, do, do. They do. Because you're preaching don't, 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 don't doesn't stop somebody. But when you understand the king is coming back, the Bible says you will purify yourself even as he is pure. In Genesis chapter 5, the, the very first book in the Bible, way back at the beginning, it talks about a man named Enoch. He's the seventh generation from Adam. It says he lived 65 years and he begot Methuselah. Now, Methuselah is born, and when he's born, Enoch has a vision. And he sees God judge the earth in a flood. And God reveals to Enoch, when your son dies, the flood is going to come. And that's why he called him Methuselah, which means at your death, judgment falls. How many would like that for a name? I mean, nobody's going to mess with you. Not only is it long, Methuselah. He begets Methuselah. And then it says that Enoch walked with God for 300 years, had sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. He walked with God and he was not for God took him. In other words, he never died. He's, he's walking with God and he said, God, it's, it's late. I got to get home for dinner. And God said, look, we're closer to my house than yours. And let's go. Took him to heaven. He'd been there ever since. But he prophesied about a flood, a judgment that was going to take place. And sure enough, you can run the genealogies. He dies the flood falls. Now, the Bible has him again in the New Testament, in Jude. Now, now, this man wrote one little chapter in the Bible. But this is what he said. Now, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands times ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all to convict all who were ungodly among them of all the ungodly deeds which they committed in an ungodly way and all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now notice, behold, the Lord comes with the saints. He's not coming for them. He's coming with them. And he's coming to execute judgment. The Bible says that he will execute justice. Listen, when Jesus comes back, Every wrong will be put right. Amen. 
every wrong will be put right. He's coming back to execute judgment. He's coming back to rule and to reign. Now, we're not going to take the time to look at all of it, but in Revelation chapter 20, from verse 2 to verse 7, it talks about his coming back, and it mentions six times in six verses that it is going to be a rule of 1,000 years. I think six times in six verses, we ought to get the point. A thousand years. Let me just read a little. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And I saw the souls of those who'd been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast nor his image, had not received his mark on their forehead or their hand, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years, but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection over such. The second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and Christ and shall reign with him for one thousand years. Let me get a thousand years. After that, John in his prophecy and revelation tells us that there is an eternal kingdom after that thousand years. Jesus told his disciples that during those thousand years, they'd sit on 12 thrones and they would judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Back in Genesis chapter 12, there's three verses there that are the most important three verses in the entire Old Testament, if not the entire Bible. And God said to Abraham, he said, I will make you a great nation. And we look at Israel and say they're a great nation, but, but actually what he said in the Hebrew, he said, I will make you the premier nation. You will be above every other nation. See, during that millennial reign, it will not be China. It will not be Russia. It will not be the United States that will be the premier nation on the face of the earth. It will be Israel, and Jesus will rule and reign as the king of Israel, sit on the throne of his father David, and the Bible says that justice will go forth from Jerusalem. Amen. That's going to be fulfilled during that 1,000 years. But afterwards, there's what theologians call the eternal kingdom. This is what John said. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Now, when he's talking heaven, he's talking atmosphere, by the way. And a new earth. How many realize this one has been cursed because of sin? I like this one. It's beautiful. But there's a new one that's coming. Very, very much improved. The first heaven atmosphere and the first earth had passed away. Now, in Peter, we're told how it passes away. And by the way, this world is not destroyed in a nuclear holocaust. This world is destroyed by God. The Bible says that every element will melt in fervent heat. Your car, your house, your ring, all your stuff, gone. Gone. It's going to melt. And it says that the atmosphere will explode and dissolve. It'll be gone. That's when God makes a new atmosphere and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away also there was no more sea then I John saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband 
So God makes a brand new, perfect earth, perfect atmosphere. And then he said, I see God moving. Now, when you move, you take a U-Haul. When God moves, he takes a city. He says he sees that new Jerusalem, God's city, coming down out of heaven, and it comes down to earth. I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. I'll dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more tears. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There'll be no more pain because the former things have passed away. He said, behold, I make all things new. I make all things new. See, there's going to be an eternal kingdom. And by the way, it doesn't matter what Christian tradition you grew up in. We thought we were going someplace to heaven. We thought we were going to, like, ride on clouds, wear sheets, play harps, eat grapes. <laughs> but if you will look, there is no Christian tradition. That, I don't care if you're Catholic, if you're Protestant, Reform, Presbyterian, Baptist, everybody, everybody believes the same thing. Because it's really clear right here. There is a new heaven and a new earth. And heaven comes down to earth. And where you spend eternity is not floating around on a cloud, but it is on a brand new recreated earth in God's presence. He said, you will be my people. I will be your God. No more tears, no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain, no more sickness, no more disease, no more devil, no more prejudice. None of it. It's gone. All the former things have passed away and he makes all things new. Listen, in the beginning, it started in a beautiful garden with two people, perfect people. But you know where we're going back to? We're going back to this beautiful, beautiful world, recreated. It's going to be a beautiful garden again, and God's going to be here, and all of his people are going to be with him. And the Bible says it is forever and ever how many, and ever. How many of you can even wrap your mind around that? We can't even wrap our mind around it. But Jesus first came at Bethlehem. Then he's coming for his church. And then he's coming back to rule and to reign. And then he is going to be the head of the eternal kingdom. Not just a baby at Bethlehem. Would you bow your heads a moment? You may be here and you understand that Jesus was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. But that will not change your life unless he's born in your heart. Unless you receive him for who he is and receive what he has for you. He's come with healing, the Bible says, in his wings. There's forgiveness for you. He wants to make you new on the inside. Jesus said the thief, the devil, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
He said, but I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And if you're here today and you're not right with God, or you need to come back to God, and your heart's cry is, God, rescue me from my sin, from the things I've done, from where I am. Forgive me. Give me a new life. I want to live for you. I want to be a part of your kingdom. I want to fulfill my purpose. I want the abundant life that Jesus came for me to have. If that's you, I want you to listen. I'm going to count to three in a moment. And when I say three, I want you to lift your hand. And you're saying, God, I want to receive the forgiveness that Jesus purchased for me. I want you to come into my life. And I want you to rescue me from what I've done and from where I am. And when we pray, God's going to meet you right here in this place. And when we say amen, you're going to be forgiven. You're going to be right with God. You're going to be a part of that eternal kingdom. Now, as you lift your hand, the first thing that you're saying to God is, God, I know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I'm coming to Jesus today to be saved and to be forgiven. One, as you lift that hand, you're saying today, I'm going to give Jesus all of my heart and all of my life. I'm holding nothing back. Two, get ready. You lift that hand and you're saying, today I'm receiving Jesus. He's going to come into my heart. He's going to forgive me. He's going to make me a new person on the inside. I'm going to become a part of your family. I'm going to be on my way to heaven. Three, lift your hand up. Say, pray with me. I am not right, but I want to get right. Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand and that hand. Are there others? Include me. I'm not where I should be. I want to get right today. Would everybody please stand? And wherever you are, would you please just put one hand over your heart, lift your other hand towards heaven, and let's pray together with those who just lifted their hand. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you that my past is gone, that I am forgiven, that you make me new on the inside, a part of your kingdom today and forever in Jesus' name. Amen.